Hello, good morning, and welcome. It's Tuesday, the 8th of October, 2019. This is episode 120. Please remember, if you're a fan of this podcast, be sure to follow me on all social media at Autonomous Hogue, especially on Twitter, where I'm very responsive. Continue to leave your spectacular five-star ratings and written reviews over on Apple Podcasts, and remember, you're always welcome to leave a written testimonial over on markhogue.com. So today, it turns out that pedestrian detection systems aren't all they're cracked up to be. London gets ready for autonomous taxis, and a new consortium gets formed to develop a common computing platform for autonomous vehicles. All this, right now. Before we kick things off today, I uh, wanted to share with you something kind of cool. Head on over to my Autonomous Hoke Instagram page and check out the short video clip that I just posted there. Um, yeah, it's an unmarked autonomous test vehicle. This was shot uh, on El Camino down near Stanford University in Palo Alto. Look, spotting autonomous test vehicles in Silicon Valley is not an unusual thing anymore. I mean, look, Waymo have been testing there since like forever ago. Well, in autonomous car years anyway. But it has been quite a while that folks have gotten used to it. In fact, as we briefly touched on in our last episode, people are getting kind of annoyed with them. They tend to dawdle. They drive overly cautiously as well. They should, but it does get annoying. Um, But in any event, this car, though, totally unmarked. There's no company logos, no brands, nothing at all. The only identifiable feature besides the license plate is a little sort of a identifying number sticker on the rearmost left side window, which reads A109. And the car, interestingly enough, seems to be kitted out with kind of all the autonomous test gear, um, including both LiDAR and computer vision cameras. So my hunch, my guess really, is that this could very well be an autonomous test vehicle for Apple. Apple, of course, has been working on a self-driving car for years, Obviously, no information at all. I've suggested in the past that they may not, in fact, be developing their own car, but rather they are developing some sort of platform, which then can be, I guess, rather unappily licensed out to all the other autonomous car makers. I think this would explain why they're so keen to bolster up the Apple Maps product. I mean, as a lot of people point out, it seems almost futile for Apple to try to catch up with Google at this point. So I'd rather believe that they are, in fact, building this mapping database, not necessarily to compete, with, to compete with Google on mapping, but rather because they are building out this whole platform for autonomous cars to utilize as kind of the foundation of their software platform. So net-net, I think this is what, what CarPlay is effectively going to evolve into in the next several years or so. But anyway, look, if anybody has any information on this at all, you know how to reach me. Uh, optimally shoot me a tweet uh, at Autonomous Hogue, or of course you can reach out on LinkedIn on by, by email through my website. But uh, let's see if we can figure out who this car belongs to, shall we? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
All right, so I want to talk a bit about a pretty frustrating, pretty annoying test that was just published by AAA. That's the American Automobile Association. They were testing the um, the pedestrian detection systems of of various vehicles, including well, okay, four in particular: Chevy Malibu, Honda Accord, Tesla Model Three, and Toyota Camry. This is pretty startling. Um, apparently, even at just speeds of twenty miles per hour during the day the vehicles would hit the dummy subjects, the dummy pedestrians, 60% of the time. And when the adult-sized dummies were swapped out for child-sized ones, then they were hitting them 89% of the time. I, I, I don't see the full report here. I, I'm kind of curious. What's I'm really curious how the Tesla did. I, I, I'm assuming those, those numbers must be averages, and the Tesla probably just brought the average down as far as it did go. Um, but but I, don't even, I don't even want to talk about that. To me, that's not the issue. The issue is... Why is there so much variance in technologies? Why is there such a variance in the sort of pedestrian detection tech on various manufacturers' cars? That's what I'm taking issue with. Not the fact that, not the fact that these systems aren't perfect. In fact, as I've said, apparently rather controversially, unbeknownst to me, um, I'm actually a huge fan of deploying suboptimal solutions, provided they're at least slightly better than the status quo, namely as long as they're slightly better than human-driven vehicles. So let me let me just cut to the chase for a moment and just say that if if you're configuring a new car on a on a on a website, make sure you click the box that says something like driver assistance package three or whatever it is. Just get the autonomous braking systems, the pedestrian detection systems, the blind spot warning systems, get all those things. They are better than nothing. I don't care if they're not great. I don't even care if they're not good. They are better than nothing. And you won't know it until you actually experience them, saving you from a small fender bender or worse, still something altogether more dangerous. So so here's my problem, right? So here's my issue with what's going on here. And this totally touches on what we've discussed countless times in the past year or so now, or at least almost a year, which is that we, we've got this amazing new technology which is being deployed. I was going to say slowly but surely, but not really that slowly. Things are improving at a pretty brisk pace. But, but this new technology is uncertain. It's, again, it's not perfect. In fact, in many respects, it's really quite flawed. And yet, astonishingly, unlike any other new I guess, domain of technology, the technology itself is advancing quicker than any sort of formal framework, any sort of regulatory framework, and crucially, without any sort of standards or guidelines. There is, to put it another way, there is no minimum threshold for competence, for for capability. Mere ability is sufficient. Capability above a certain threshold of performance is not yet Mandated, And this is weird because we've got mandates for things like turn signal lights, for headlamp illumination, for the range of the headlamps, for the, for the width of the headlamp beam, for the brightness in luminance. Um, you know, we, everything about automobiles is regulated to an absurd degree. In fact, it's over-regulated. As an aside, Audi have developed some really fantastic headlights, which 
have these little mirrors inside the bulb and they can, well, if you're familiar with the not so uncommon automatic high beam activation that many cars have now, and imagine that taken to an entirely new level. So these, these headlights have these little mirrors, which can, which are fed. So the whole system is fed. Um, it's fed, it's given a video feed of looking down the road. And so the car knows what's coming towards it. And it knows where the oncoming car is relative to your car. And it, with this information, with this data, it can manipulate these little mirrors and reflectors and so on to dynamically form the optimal light beam shape so as to not blind the oncoming car. So this can go just as far and just as bright as, say, your high beam lights, even when the oncoming car is, well, just right in front of you, but it's able to block out effectively to eclipse the car so it's not blinded. Well, guess what? We're not allowed to have those in the U.S. because we're overly regulating everything. Again, just to be clear, I am a fan of regulation. I've been saying forever that we need it for autonomous cars more than anything ever before. But, but okay, but they're, you know, okay, but these need to evolve at the times. Now, Going back to these autonomous driver assistance systems, like pedestrian detection, by all means, keep rolling these out, but we've got to have a set of standards. I mean, it must be the case. I realize I'm about to sort of kind of contradict myself a moment ago where I said, okay, I'm all right deploying a suboptimal solution as long as it's better than the alternative. I believe that all of these pedestrian detection systems are some non-zero value better than the alternative. They are, period. That said, I, I think we need to literally set, well, I was going to say set the bar higher. We needed to set a bar, period. There is no bar. So I think it must be the case that, that in the same way that we have guidelines for what the headlight beam looks like, we need to immediately deploy a set of standards for things like pedestrian detection. It must be the case that your car can avoid a pedestrian, say, X percent of the time in daylight hours and in nighttime hours and crucially actually the in-between hours right the twilight hours when the sunlight is blinding and potentially uh, blinding out the the forward-looking cameras crucial to pedestrian detection right so so all these things need to be standardized there needs to be um a foundation of a, a framework because otherwise what's the point it's little more than marketing gimmickry to say, oh, we've got pedestrian detection when it works like 7% of the time. Yeah, it is better than nothing, but give me a break. So so this is the angle with which I take this particular study, this particular report of the, uh, the AAA study. Um, I just think it's yet another element, another example, another data point, which really validates my insistent claim that we just start regulating this stuff sooner. Look, regulations... I mean, good regulations, those that are done and implemented correctly are a really great thing, If meaning that they also evolve and change, that they are dynamic. Okay, so let's get these things baked in now. I don't know. Let's say that pedestrian detection must work at least only 60% of the time. Cool. Well, guess what's going to happen? Auto manufacturers who may have had their car on the road with, say, 40% success rates, now they can't put these cars on the road. And you're going to say, yeah, Mark, see, now, well, you've, you've just, again, contradicted yourself. Well, no, because now what's going to happen is because they know that everybody else who is doing better than 60% of the time, well, now they've got an even stronger incentive to get these things out there. I'm not suggesting that manufacturers don't have an incentive to do a good job now. 
indisputably, this will make them work even harder towards it. And in any event, as with any other element of a motor vehicle, I mean, what what requires regulation more than this? I mean, the, the, if ever there was a thing that needed regulation, this is surely it. If anything, there was if ever there was a thing that needed needed standards, this is surely it. So that's my take on this study. Um, so, but again, please let me let me hear your thoughts. Don't hesitate to reach out. You know what's cool is being aware of the passage of time, not in a boring way, but like in a really sort of, oh, cool, we are seeing the future unfold before our eyes. So, yeah, let me just put it to you this way. So way back in episode six, huh, episode 60, so exactly halfway through the podcast from where we are today at episode 120. That's a really bizarre coincidence. Um, yeah, so episode 60, you can go find it at my website at markhogue.com. Um, there was there was an episode which had a segment titled AVs to replace London cabbies by 2021. So this episode came out, let's see, October 23rd of 2018. Huh, almost exactly a year ago, too. That's That's funny. Um, so now there's a, there's a report out that, that, uh, Ford Mondeos, which are kind of the British version of the, I believe the Ford Fusions we have here. So they are being used for testing by Oxbotica. Um, and it turns out that Oxbotica is going to be starting its first passenger trials with a new driving venture partnered up with Addison Lee. Uh, which could start in London in June of 2020. Now, admittedly, I don't know if this was exactly the same thing that I talked about last year in episode 60. I think that it was. And if that's true, then, well, that means that at least the testing is starting, uh, yeah, June of 2020. Um, So, yeah, I suppose it's presumably possible that they could indeed start being deployed for passenger usage by 2021 with a backup driver, of course. Um, And even then, who knows if it'll be free or for a standard fare. I rather doubt that. I'd give it a few more years for sure. Um, but look, this is this is really cool, right? This, this to me is very impressive stuff. Uh, I've been a pretty big fan of what London has been doing the last several years. First of all, with their congestion, congestion pricing to limit the number of cars in the city center of London. This, of course, meant to reduce pollution and it has had an effect. And now, of course, to fast-track the deployment, well, at least the testing and then eventual uh, deployment of autonomous cars, this is pretty cool. So for those of you who don't know, Addison Lee is kind of like Uber uh, in London and elsewhere uh, around the world. Um, Really, it's kind of a competitor to Uber, I guess, but sort of, it's really more of a competitor to Uber Black, I would say. Um, But in any event, uh, this partnership between Oxbotica and Addison Lee is it's just really great. Um, to, to think of an analogy here, I guess it would be sort of like if Uber partnered up with, I don't know, I guess with, with Waymo, maybe. Huh, actually, speaking of which, wouldn't that be something? But but, but yeah, so so for, for Oxpotica and for um, Addison Lee to be getting these testing by 2020, that is, that is a really big thing. So how's it going to work? Well, of course, they are going to have a safety driver in the front seat at all times. Um, 
the the vehicles will of course notify them whether they need to intervene in tricky situations um you know so this is pretty standard stuff insofar as autonomous vehicle testing i think what's neat though is that there's a very clear-cut goal to ensure that you know these things are ready for passenger pickup uh i think by 2021 and you know, given the congestion of London's roads and especially the the cost of, well, the tube and the buses are incredibly affordable, yes. But sadly, the wonderful black cabs of London are very expensive. Uber is unbelievably less expensive. Um, so we end up with this really frustrating double-edged sword again, right? Because presumably these autonomous vehicles will be free or very, very cheap much cheaper still even than Uber. So again, it raises that question is, what happens to our beloved London cabbies? And this is a really big question. I mean, for those of you who don't know, becoming a cabbie in London is a really unbelievably challenging task. Um, if I'm not mistaken, there was even a documentary or, or several done where it turns out that the London cab drivers have been subjected to MRI and CAT scans, and their brains are actually different because they're so good at, at navigating. Um, the, the, the training and the tests, the examinations to become a London cabbie are extraordinarily difficult. Um, so, so the very idea that potentially, uh, you know, tens of thousands of cab drivers could lose their jobs in the next... I don't know, five years, ten years. You know, that, that's a that is a, still a very troubling thing and something that nobody's really got a solution for. Now, I think initially what's going to probably happen is these London cab drivers will be able to transition in the interim to being a backup driver for these autonomous vehicles. I suppose. Um, but at some point, they will not be needed. Now, that that is almost certainly at least ten years down the road, perhaps even twenty. Right when we can have autonomous cars without backup drivers, unless, of course, cities start to do what I've been suggesting forever, which is to deploy these only as level four virtual train cars, as it were, on certain roads, certain lanes, certain boulevards. Then perhaps we can have truly driverless on certain roads. But uh, nevertheless, I think this is a really neat development, and I'll be sure to keep you posted on further updates. All right, so to close things out today, I want to. This, this kind of loops back to the point in the first segment a moment ago. Um, I don't usually read from press releases, but this just got announced this morning, just a couple hours ago. So, and, and I'm a huge fan of what it what it sounds like. Um, so, there's a new consortium. It's called the Autonomous Vehicle Computing Consortium, the AVCC. So, it's been put together by members of ARM, Bosch, Continental, Denso, GM. NVIDIA, NXP Semiconductors, and Toyota. So the idea is, and actually let me just read you this verbatim from the press release. So the goal is to develop a set of recommendations of a system architecture and a computing platform that reconciles the performance requirements of autonomous systems with the vehicle-specific requirements and limitations in terms of size, temperature range, power consumption, and safety. So the idea is, and just reading through this press release, um, the idea is that the 
they, these companies want to come together. It's just kind of another example of consolidation, if not in the ordinary corporate sense where we see the likes of Ford. I mean, um, well, yeah, Ford coming together with Argo.ai or uh, GM and Cruise, Volkswagen and Ford. Uh, most recently, as we reported on a few days ago, Hyundai and Aptiv, right? So here we've got an idea where companies are trying to come together to form sort of this standardized platform. Essentially, the entire stack is what it sounds like of hardware and software, not just to set sort of guidelines, but it sounds like something much more besides. Really, this could be the first step towards getting a set of standards. Um, you know, hmm, I just thought of something kind of interesting. So if IEEE, the consortium of engineers, if they set the standards for like, well, everything in engineering, it seems to me to make perfectly good, it would make perfectly good sense to have this consortium be precisely that sort of a thing for all things autonomous vehicles. This would be sort of like a subset of IEEE. I mean, if not literally, actually, then, you know, in, in effect, right? So it's kind of like, you know, you build and design the vehicles in accordance with all the various standards of IEEE, and then, but the actual autonomous vehicle, sort of the hardware and software stack itself, must conform to this set of standards put together, say, by this AVCC, this Autonomous Vehicle Computing Consortium. So I think this is a really, really uh, fantastic thing, a really great step in the right direction. Uh, look, it is quite literally breaking news, so I, I don't have anything else to go on rather than, or other than what I've just read here. So, I'll be sure to see what else I can dig up on this. If anybody listening to this podcast is in any way acquainted with any of the companies who are members to this new consortium, or if you have further insight, please do reach out. And by the way, in case you're wondering, yeah, people actually do reach out when I when I make these requests. In fact, uh, just the other day, someone reached out to me as well. So yes, please, if, if you are well acquainted or even not so well acquainted with any one or any goal or purpose or whatever about this consortium, please do reach out. I'd love to have a chat with you. Thanks very much. And on that note, that will do it for today. Uh, so thank you so much for listening. Until next time, that'll be on Thursday. And if all goes according to plan, we will have a pretty cool uh, guest on the podcast. Uh, it will be Jordan Beal. As I mentioned last time, he is uh, a real estate, uh, well, he started his own real estate firm down in San Diego. Beal Real Estate, and he's going to be joining me for an interview we're going to conduct tomorrow to discuss the, really the finer points of the impact on the real estate market generally as autonomous cars become a thing in our everyday lives, looking 5, 10, 20 years down the road and beyond. So yeah, if everything goes according to plan, don't miss out on, did I say Thursday? I meant Friday, obviously. <laughs> I will see you back here on Friday for the interview with Jordan Beale. Thank you so much for listening. Until Friday, have a wonderful rest of the week. Bye-bye.